and welcome to another episode of No Mercy. I'm your host, BJ, and tonight we have a special guest, another special guest. Switching things up a little bit, we're sort of shifting away from talking about politics, although the topics that we're going to talk about today may uh, have some intersections with politics. But for my special guest, I have Carrie. Carrie's my cousin. She is my, we call each other twins because we think alike. We sometimes repeat things at the same time. So Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, BJ. So I was watching this show and for everyone who's listening, there are going to be spoilers for this. So if you have any plans on watching the show, if you're interested in the show, it's called Behind Her Eyes. It's on Netflix. And um, we're going to be talking about it because it was very disturbing to me when I watched it. And it kept me up at night. Like I woke up in the middle of the night after I saw the finale and I was like, that was like really weird. (laughs) And (laughs) so I immediately texted you. Did I text you or call you? You texted I texted you. So, and I was like, you have to watch this show, which you, you and I used to watch a lot of things together. You've sort of stopped watching a lot of the things that I watch. Hmm. I'm reducing my TV consumption. Which is fine. No judgment. Uh, but I was like, you have to watch this <laughs> show. You have to watch this show because we got to talk about it. So, and you did. And I thank you for that. Um, but. There's going to be some spoilers here, so if you plan on watching it, then pause now, go and watch it, and then come back and listen to our commentary. (laughs) (laughs) You'll actually get through it really fast, because I love a good British drama, and this is sort of like a, I guess it would be called a mini-series, right? Yeah, a limited psychological thriller series. Yeah, so it's only six episodes, so you can get through it really quickly and um it's one season um most british miniseries is only one season so but yeah it's great because there's yeah there's a beginning and an end and it's done it's great yeah although it did kind of leave it with a click cliffhanger for the suggestion that there could be another season but i don't think there will be because most of these don't do a second season um but anyway so what did you think when <laughs> I told you to watch it before you even knew what it was about? Um, well, I mean, the title is interesting. I, when I looked at the, uh, the sort of poster, you know, for the, um, the series, the, the characterizations that they showed and the, and the actors looked interesting. Um, I had no clue really what it was about. I had heard on TikTok that it was good, like people were talking about it. So when you said it, I said, well, you know, I'll give it a try. But uh, when I started watching, I was like, what WTF? Okay. I had a similar uh, experience because when I was thinking about, you know, there is so much content to consume with all these platforms, with Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. And in addition to satellite and cable and network television, and I just think that in order for shows these days, they really have to grip you in that first episode. Really, in the, and if they don't have you by the second episode, I'm usually done because there's so much stuff to watch, so much content to consume. Why are you wait? Why would you waste your time on something that isn't really grabbing you? 
you know, within the first one or two episodes. I will say that this did not grab me in the first episode. I only stuck with it because I had heard that it was so good. But by the first episode, I wasn't hooked. Were you hooked by the first episode? I mean, I wouldn't say hooked. I think I was mildly interested. It was it was sort of reminiscent of a lot of other, you know, sort of dramas and, and the things that they um, incorporate into them to get you interested. But they hadn't really, well, and if I'm being honest, they didn't really explore a lot of the characters too deeply because it was a limited series. So they sort of, they sort of hit you with a lot of things, not out of the gate, but all at once, once they hit a certain episode. Right. So, Which, but did you, did you four. even know, right. Did you even know that this was based on a book? I didn't know it was based on a book until after mm-hmm. um, I'd watched it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So it's actually not a, a recent book. I mean, in, in that it's not within the last year or two. It's, you know, from four years ago. And I don't know how well the book was received. I can imagine, I can only imagine reading this and thinking WTF. But hopefully there was a bit more character development and, and you know, more details to sort of support some of the things that we saw in the series because it was wild. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> So I'm glad you had that reaction. You wanted to, re- you know it. Did you, wait, did, but I was hoping that you wouldn't think that, that you wouldn't feel like I wasted your time. I mean, I wouldn't say that it kept me up at night after I saw it, but I was, it was just such a, you know, like, le- like it just went off the rails and I just couldn't understand it. So <laughs> the choices that were made were, confounding to say the least but I mean it definitely was interesting I mean it was it was something I hadn't seen done like that before so you know yes and that's what I I, that's what I liked about it is because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of a lot of shows are sort of and movies and um even reality shows at this point are sort of like just same stories told in a different way predictable Yeah, and so this was, number one, I was definitely not expecting the turn that it took. And, you know, it obviously surprised me at the, at, towards the end. And once it got me hooked, I, I, I think it took me maybe four days to get through the first three episodes. And by the time I hit episode four, Mm -hmm. I watched the rest of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I watched it all in one day, so it was <laughs> because you made me. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there was more anticipation as the series went along to get to the next show and see how this was going to play out. Because um, one thing, well, I mean, are we going to just jump in? Because well, yeah, let's just well, okay. let's ju- let's talk. Okay, so if you are gonna watch, if if what we have said has uh, intrigued you enough that you're going to go and watch it, then do th- press pause, go and do that now, and then come back uh, to this up ep- to, to the episode because we're gonna get into it right now. <clears throat> okay. okay, pause, everybody. Okay, good. Let's go. <laughs> so, all right. So, I- oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, I, again, the casting was very interesting to me. Um, I, I have to sort of, being an African-American woman in an interracial relationship, 
I'm very, very happy to see that explored without any sort of, you know, there was no mention of the fact that she was African-American, you know, um, as the, the lead uh, female character as a, as a, as a thing. It just wasn't even a thing. It was like, yeah, I'm attracted to this woman. He's, she's attracted to this man. Just so happens he's married, <laughs> you know, and they went with it and it was great. Um, and I thought the actors actually did a very good job each individually with their roles. Um, but I will say this, I knew something was up immediately from the, the way, the use of the camera angles. Um, I kept saying, that's so weird that they're showing the vantage point, the perspective was from above, like there was a cloud over them or there was a, a camera installed in the, the rooms where they were being watched. You know, It was so interesting to me that I thought, something ain't right they got some supernatural going on so it was very oh see i didn't i didn't think supernatural at all i thought that there was like a a, like there was a mic somewhere and that they were trying to let you know that there was because you know even kind of like even the the dialogue would get echoey and distorted Mm-hmm. when they went to that camera angle. So then mm-hmm. I just assumed there's a microphone in the room and somebody's listening. No, that's actually why I didn't think it was a microphone because of the way that it sounded so cloudy, you know, like they were um, underwater or something. So it, it, was, it was apparent. I just didn't, I didn't figure out until episode four how, you know, they were, they were going to uh, bring that about. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was apparent to me. And um <laughs> I love the way they sort of showed the wife character who um, you just, she just did such a good job being crazy. She was cray cray. You just knew she was cray cray. But (laughs) because of the fact that they didn't do the flashbacks until later, I didn't figure it out until they, I mean, that one episode just nailed it for me. I I understood everything that was going on. So it was, it was really, um, I mean, after that point, you know, they were going to end it, so it was easier to figure out. So I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the, the buildup to that point. So how it starts off is there is a, the main character, um, whose Louise. name is Louise, mm-hmm. and she is going on a blind date. Her blind date stands her up. And... It's, it wasn't a blind date. She was meeting her friend, and her friend stood her up. Oh, that was her friend? Yeah, it was a girl. I thought she was she going was on meeting... a date. Mm-mm. She was just meeting her friend for drinks and she got stood up by her friend She is, because she's a single mother and she doesn't get out much. So it was a big deal for her to sort of just get dressed up and go out and have drinks with her friend. So she had no real intention of like meeting anybody. Well, she met uh, the male lead character who's a psychiatrist. Um, David. And David, uh, who is, I thought he was very good looking and he's got this Scottish accent. Is it Scottish? Please, <laughs> that was my Scottish. That was my Scottish. Do a Scottish accent again. No, no, no. That's a no, no. It was a really poor Sean Connery going on there. Okay, maybe I was doing Welsh. I meant to do... <laughs> I meant to do you've, Scottish. you've talked to a lot of Welsh people, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, but I did know Catherine, his Catherine accent Zeta was Jones different. Does not sound like that. She's like, <laughs> I noticed that she, that he's his accent was different than the other people. Right, right. Well, that's where they they were from. You know, that's where they lived in Scotland, um, where her property was. That's where her her parents, you know, grew up. Uh, where she grew up. So, 
Um, his was just very, it was very sort of broguish, uh, sort of Scottish accent. Okay. Which I think they may have done to perpetuate the um, class difference between them because, you know, she was a sort of a, a wealthy Scottish heiress and he was the, uh, the son of the man who worked on the property, you know, for mm-hmm. the parents. So it was, I think maybe that was to distinguish them as a class thing. Yeah, but you know, it, that's, that's so funny that you bring that up because she, I noticed that some of her, Louise's, um, some of the words that she said sort of made her accent similar to his accent mm-hmm. because she wouldn't, she wouldn't pronounce a lot of her T's. And like there was a couple of times that instead of saying beta, she said beta. Right. Uh, she's a working made, class. <clears throat> right. English so that girl. made me think, right. oh, okay. She's got, she's got a working class accent. He's got the kind mm-hmm. of working class. Okay. That was not essential to the story, but I no. Just, but it made them relate to each other. No, it was making them more relatable to each other um, mm-hmm. because they were really trying to punctuate the um, disdain he had for his wife at the time, you know, and and sort of um, make us feel like maybe he was just in it for the money, you know. There was a lot of that sort of into uh, intimation. So, mm-hmm. so while he's while she's waiting for her friend to come to the bar, she gets stood up. And uh, the main character, David, who's a psychiatrist, comes into the bar as well, alone, and they bump into each other, end up, you know, having a nice long conversation towards the end of the night. They uh, part ways, but then they kiss, which I didn't quite understand why they kissed and why he was so shocked that they kissed. No, they'd been drinking, you know, quite a bit, having a good old time, laughing and relating to each other. And, you know, you could see even in his in the way he portrayed that moment that he was trying to be a bit hesitant, but he was enjoying her company so much that he just kind of let himself go. And so mm-hmm. when they were leaving, they were outdoors, of you know, the bar, they were leaving and they just kind of had that moment of electricity where... They looked at each other and thought, we're really attracted. And he went in for the kiss, and she didn't, didn't stop him. And then he was like, oh, i got to stop this. And then he walks away really quickly, and she's just left there standing, you know, mm-hmm. going, um, what just happened? So now here was the cliche part, the cliche, because that was the meet cute, right? The cliche mm-hmm. part was when she goes to work the next day, and she works where, guess what, a psychiatrist's office. And guess who's the new psychiatrist <laughs> in town? David. So that was a little like wah wah. You know, I was just like, okay, that's, you know, I mean, how else were we going to get them together, I guess? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the older secretary starts giving a, a full rundown, a gossipy rundown of, you know, oh, this is the new psychiatrist with his beautiful new wife. And, you know, she sees them and she hides out in the, in the lounge area while she's going by, which was, you know, kind of immature-ish, but... Um, you know, I guess they had to set it up so that you knew there was going to be this tension. But um, it was, it was, it, the meat cute was fine. Everything else after that, you know, kind of made me a little bit sour. Yeah. So they, I mean, they, she's a, she's a busy woman. She's a single mother. She, she's working. And so there was a, the initial thought that, you know, they, they had sort of been like, oh, this is weird. What a coincidence, but we'll just let it go. What happened at the bar is what happened at the bar. Keep it professional, right? Yeah, well, obviously and that's that does why, not happen. 
No, but that's another reason why with a limited series, you don't have enough time to build up the burn, right? So she says, hey, it happened. No big deal. I don't want to lose my job. Let's just let's just squash it and let's keep going. But then, you know, you see the sort of desperation and the wanting in his eyes. And then she just doesn't stop it. And it just continues and spirals into this full-blown affair. But I was thinking, do you really like him that much that you're going to jeopardize? You're, you're a single mom. Like, you have to have this job. Why would you do that? Is he that fine? I just was like, a no. <laughs> that was a big fat no for me. Okay, and I'm glad you said that because there were many, many, many times that mm-hmm. I was thinking, what, who, what type of single mother with everything and all the responsibilities that she has would make these decisions? Mm-hmm. She just made a lot of decisions that I felt like were not decisions that someone in her situation would make. I mean, people make bad decisions. I get it. People screw up in their lives and people's lives are complicated. But I thought as responsible as they portrayed her in terms of her parenting and you know her having mm-hmm. the issues with her ex-husband and really being overprotective of her son and, and even to the point that even though he, she really didn't... The, the child's father didn't really demonstrate any, you know, bad qualities as a parent. She still seemed very protective of, of, her, of her son, but yet she would make these decisions that were just completely out of character, at least for me, unless they were just saying she was blinded by love and lust. Well, and that's where I run into a, a roadblock because I'm like, they didn't have enough time to be you know, um, they didn't develop him, David, as a, as a character to be loved. Like he didn't present himself as, you know, somebody who was super irresistible. I mean, he was super moody (laughs) and grouchy and, you know, clearly had marital issues. So she just stepped into a whole big pile of caca and said, you know what, I'm going to throw my mothering (laughs) out the window (laughs) and my potential job status. Like it just didn't make sense that she would go to those lengths for this guy. And because she had one non-date with him where they had some laughs. And then the next day she said, let's squash it. And then all of a sudden they're in this heated affair. And it's just like, what? I, it just made, it didn't, it wasn't logical. And, and we all know that lusting is not logical. I get it. But when you have another little, you know, human to be responsible for, and that's what you've been doing all those years. And he was cute as a bean though, but it just, it didn't make sense. It didn't follow. So. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, so we agree with that. I just thought mm-hmm. that if they had portrayed her to be different, a different type of parent, uh, then I thought maybe it would make sense. But it just didn't make That part didn't make sense to me, except well, they did, just lust. They did try to salvage it later by saying, you know, when, um, so Adam, you know, he's taken away for a month to France by his father. And she tells her best friend at the time, why do I always have to be the responsible and why can't I just let, you know, let go and be free and, and be reckless for a minute, you know? And so and you I get got that. that. Mm, I mean, but well after the fact when she was already neck deep in trouble with this couple. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's also oh, we sense. haven't even talked about the other part of the, the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the affair is the, it's the, the, the most normal thing of this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. 
Y- yeah. Well, we, so, we, we think, no, they make us think the affair is the impetus for everything, but it truly isn't. You don't really know anything until they start doing the flashback scenes. So. Okay. So uh, we she's having an affair. The kicker is, though, she has also struck up a relationship with the, David's wife. Adele. Adele. Uh, like a friendship even more so closer, it, well, at least they, they showed it to be that she's closer and starting to grow closer to Adele than her actual best friend. Mm-hmm. And so she's told by her best friend, you are in some deep stuff. You need to get out of this now. You're going to get hurt. You are friends with a woman and you're sleeping with her husband. You're in, she's, she sort of hints that she's, gonna do it but then she doesn't do it yeah she, she, she double legitimately, downs. she legitimately gets agitated by her friend checking her on her wrongdoing and it just it again like you've been friends with this woman this woman has been with you since the birth of your son apparently she knows him really well but you just throw all that out the window for this psychiatrist you know uh lovemaking skills <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they did portray the sex to be really good. I will say that she was she was going at it. But so so let's bring into the 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 story. The story arc really gets um, the weirdness starts when you see Louise having night terrors. She has these horrible nightmares um, in which you infer that she sees her mother um, after she's taken a lot of pills, thus you know committing suicide. And you see the pills dropping and then she hears her son and her, she's running after her son through these dark hallways that pulsate and, you know, she's trying to find him and she can never get to him. And it's just, it's terrifying, but she also sleepwalks and almost walks right off of her balcony, <laughs> which would have plunged <laughs> her to her death. So, you know, that she is, here's yet another sort of hurdle in her life that she's struggling with. And, you know, so she's got single motherhood. She's got, you know, having this affair and then she's got uh, the night terrors and then they, so they go back and forth between the story, her story and then the, the other couple. And I'll let you get into the other couple. Cause that is some crazy as stuff. <laughs> so they begin to have flashbacks when they get into Adele, who is David's wife, who is, who has befriended Louise it's going gonna, it's gonna to get so cut up here. It's so crazy. <laughs> so we, you do get the idea that Louise has some psychiatric problems. You know, her husband, David, makes sure that she's taking her medication uh, before he leaves to go to work. So, you know, and Adele does and says some really crazy things. She, paints, she painted a mural on the wall um, in their bedroom. <clears throat> so she does some really weird things. Well acted by this actress, by the way. I had to look her up. Yeah. And, and, and just uh, to be clear, painting a mural on your wall in and of itself is not weird. It's because we see the flashbacks that, that sort of um, show us where the scene comes from and why it's so creepy. It's a, it's a scene of a forest. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy because she, on the... So, yeah, go ahead with where she was in the, as far right. as the institution. So she she was institutionalized, and I wasn't. You may have to explain this to me. Was she institutionalized because she had a psychotic breakdown after her parents died in the fire, or was she 
um, did she have struggled with mental illness even before then? No, it was because her parents died in the fire. And we, we and remember, we didn't really know why that was weighing on her so, you know, heavily as far as guilt until episode four, remember? Right. So we knew that, I mean, but they were making it seem like she was just mental anyway. And, you know, she befriends that, the, the guy in the um, institution. And so the conversations they show us make her seem very normal, you mm-hmm. know? And so, but there was, again, the, in the later episodes, the um, question of whether or not the fire that killed her parents was accidental. So they really do a lot of twists and turns to make us believe that Adele is a true psycho, <laughs> you know? And, right. and she acts it in a way that makes you think she's a true psycho. So it, it all fit in place, but something was just super off. You knew something was off. And so as you get into episode four, you learn that Adele has the ability to go into this dreamlike state where she can... Astrally project herself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And just saying it out loud is why I was like, what? Right. So she can sort of leave her... Her, her consciousness can, what, her leave her body? body? Yeah, her physical right. body, yeah. And she can travel throughout the world. Through, well, she has to have been to the place before. Right, correct. So she can travel, you know, outside of her body when she's in this dreamlike state. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and there was a fire when she was doing this. And so, and her parents died in that fire. She was able to escape. After Only because David, David rescued, rescued her. Which always seems suspect because why would David just be coming to see her at the time of this fire? I mean, it was very, it just, they made it seem very suspect. And in the end, it really was nothing. It really was just a fire that killed her parents. Right. So, and so she, <clears throat> so she gets put in uh, an institution for people with mental health and she meets with mental health issues and she meets... What's his name? Uh, I forgot his name just that quick. Um, Rob. Rob. And Rob and, and now does Rob have that ability? She teaches Rob, right? Very How to quickly. Do this. Very right. quickly Rob learns, doesn't he? Another right. flaw with the limited series. <laughs> so while she befriends Rob and she actually teaches Rob how to go into this dreamlight stake and then travel, um, ar- you know, travel around. Well, they just know. stayed on her property at the time because right. that's where he had been. So they went to the mysterious well. Right. So, so then it it it, it you would hopefully you guys have figured out by now that um, the reason why. Adele, Adele, Adele just starts to know things are going on between Louise and her husband, David, but they never show you how she knows. At least we never thought we knew how she knew. But once they start getting into her backstory of her being able to leave her body during this dreamlike state and go to places, um, then it starts to be, at which point did it become clear that that was the reason? Well, so I still remember, didn't figure it out until I didn't figure it out until they literally said it. <laughs> no, I did. 
So Louise, remember Louise goes to see her and she is like, it feels like she's dead. And she suddenly wakes up and she breathes like, (gasps) yeah. Mm -hmm. But then Louise did it after she astrally projected herself and she put the, put it, put it together that that's what she had taught her to do by giving her this book. So Rob, so what you have to think about Rob, Rob is a recovering heroin addict and he is a working class boy who, you know, in their flashbacks talks all about how his life was just complete crap. His family was complete crap. He, he didn't like anything about his life. He hated his addiction to heroin, but it was the only thing that sort of kept him from being completely like, I'm going to just kill myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very unlikely friendship. And again, I'm thinking, so here's Adele who is, you know, engaged to David at the time when she's in the institution, who is a working class guy, but he's at university. And, you know, you're thinking maybe Rob's in love with Adele until they completely imply that Rob is gay. So their friendship is an innocuous sort of thing in that David would never have to worry about Rob trying to steal his girl. So they show all these conversations between the two of them. And you realize Rob is, he's irreverent, you know, he's, he's, he's always, uh, he flashed her once, you know, uh, he mooned her when she was um, finding papers and, you know, he always Mm -hmm. was um, mouthing off to the staff. And so he was not, um, he was not a savory character, but he seemed to really genuinely care about Adele. So you kind of forgave it because she was his, his light, you know, and Mm -hmm. then Again, they just went off the rails. I mean, just <laughs> I like I just Okay, so then there's this but there was a concern. You know, Louise is finally Louise um no, I'm sorry. David figures out that Louise has been friends with Adele because Louise didn't well, tell David. He, did, he didn't figure it out. Adele well, he saw her text messages, sure. huh? Yes, but Adele made sure that he would figure it out because, you know, she was plotting this whole time because she knew that they were having the affair. So it was, it was, everything was a a huge manipulation by Adele, like every single bit of it, because even the fact that she bumped into Louise was a manipulation. She had followed her to see where she was with her son and made sure she got there at the exact time and turned her back and made sure she bumped into Louise. She, she Mm -hmm. manipulated that. Right. Which you don't find out until later. Right. I mean, it's all hindsight in the sense that they, they, they sort of spoon feed us, you know, these little tidbits so that we can try to figure it out. You know, nobody yeah, so, would have ever predicted that she was actually projecting. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously once she, she, well, I, what, I, what I was concerned, what I was not concerned about, but what I thought was odd was that she knew about this for a really long time. So I'm not sure why she wouldn't expose it sooner um mm-hmm. why she let it go on for so long mm-hmm. but <clears throat> she 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 sets it up so that david finds out that uh louise and adele are friends david mm-hmm. finds out david obviously turns on louise and and turn tells louise what are you crazy you've been you know sleeping with me and befriending my wife and then she's like what are you you're the one who's you know sleeping with me and and, you know, having an affair on your wife and your wife is clearly, you know, has some mental health issues and you're abandoning her. So they kind yes, of have a she, falling you, out. You have to mention that David ensures that she takes these um, pills for psychosis every day. And 
we also later in the in the series see evidence of of Adele shooting heroin and and actually going to score heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're like, oh, okay, gosh. Adele has uh, not, but but they make you think that Adele probably developed that drug habit because of her friendship with Rob. Well, I had already figured it out at that point. That's that's when I knew that it wasn't her. So. Oh. I hadn't figured it out. I had. So I said, um, so we were, what part were we at? So then, so they, the, David gets mad at Louise. They have a, Mm -hmm. they have a parting of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but Louise and her friend tells her one last time, you have got to let this go. I told you that this would happen. But you have to be done with it. And she still can't let it go. And that's when I was like, even though they did not bring up race, I felt like. Wrong. This, no I was like, ever. No, right. Ever. That's when I thought there ain't no way. in. <laughs> I'm like, maybe black that. Brits, maybe black Brits are different. But <laughs> I don't know any black woman that would do the things that she did after that scene. Well. In particular, because David had already sort of blessed her out. And then, you know, in that very last episode, that's what um, Adele did. She, she, I mean, she called her out by her name and they had that woman run into her house to save her. I was like, wait, what? No, no, wrong, wrong, back up. That just never would happen. So So, it got very fantastical at that point. (laughs) Right. So Louise finally figures out once... Louise starts learning how to, so because, and we didn't mention this part, but um, Adele starts telling Louise how to, because Louise um, sort of divulges to Adele that she struggles with night terrors and sleepwalking and these types of things. And so Adele. She she doesn't tell her. She gives her Rob's book, his diary. Right. And so at this point, we're like, oh, Rob is no longer with us. So. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, we find out we only see Rob in flashbacks. So right. because Rob is dead and <clears throat> and so a, so Louise starts to figure out how to overcome her night terrors through this. Astrological projection. Astro. Right. Well, it, well, it wasn't she didn't actually project just yet. She was doing this thing where they had her counting her fingers and, you know, saying pinching herself. So it was all these steps that Rob had written down in his diary, his journal to say, this is how I deal with my night terrors and my bad Mm -hmm. dreams because, and they actually showed his dream one time. Mm -hmm. And again, this is when I started to figure things out because I was like, how would we know Rob's dreams if he's dead? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were seeing Rob's dreams because he wasn't dead. Right. So, but Rob is never, you never see Rob in present, in in the present storyline. Exactly. Um, so there's this, there's this hint that maybe David killed Rob. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the reason why, because you always wonder why is, why is Rob, sorry, why is David even with Adele? Like just leave her. And so they lead you to believe that they, that he can't leave her because he is responsible for killing Rob. Because Um, the watch, she, the watch, they show the watch at the bottom of this well which Adele had shown Rob on her property, her family's property. And right. do you remember 
the part in the series where Adele and Rob are talking and she tells him, yeah, there's this story about witches that existed in my family because she's showing him her history through portraits. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, when I was like, oh, this is all going to make sense now because the witches had something to do with it. Mm, Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do remember mm-hmm. that, but I still hadn't connected it by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, why so, would you? I mean, it was crazy town. Okay, so I I know you guys are confused uh, it's because confusing. it is very confusing. So just to to recap it all, Louise meets David in a bar, then soon finds out that he's her boss. They decide to call it off, but they don't. They have an affair. Louise ends up befriending her boss's wife, Adele. Adele's nuts. But (laughs) Louise feels bad for Adele, and they become friends as well. So she's having an affair with the husband, but very good friends with the wife. Ultimately, the wife finds out. Finds out, and I put that in air quotes, finds out. Through astral projection. Right. What we, what we later find out is the reason why the camera angles were always, you know, elevated in a corner is because Adele's spirit or astrological, astro, what? Her, her astral orb. Her astral orb of auraness is, <laughs> <laughs> is in the room. Um, and Louise figure this, figures this out because then she astrologically projects her astrally, astrally progress pro- pro- <laughs> projects herself. herself and realizes that that's how Adele has figured it all out. Um, Louise tells David, not that she tells David that that um, she knows that Adele has been lying about him. She doesn't actually explain to him about the astral projection because in Adele's memories. She explains that she only shared it with Rob because Rob was the only one she could trust not to think she was crazy. So she never mm-hmm. shared with David that she was able to do it. So right. more pieces of the puzzle come together when you realize that Rob was the only one who knew how to do it and that she could do it. Okay. So this is what I also don't get. I was like, see, you dumb again, because she tells David David's like, you know what? I'm putting an end to this. Stay away from Adele. She's crazy. She's nuts. She's dangerous. And what does Louise go and do? She goes and texts her, no, calls her and says, yeah, and I just told David everything and he's going to the police. Hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That was when I was like, oh my God, you're crazy. You are nuts. You're crazy too. And in particular, you have to remember that um, her son was still gone. So she has been off the rails for a month with this couple, up and down, not listening to her friend. And at the end of the day, she chooses to be nuts over being sane. Which I guess, he's a psychiatrist, she's nuts, she just joined in the fray, you know? So, (laughs) then Adele text her and basically insinuates that she's going to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of Louise calling the police, calling 9199, 
calling 999 or anything like that. What does mm-hmm. Louise do? Louise decides to go over to Adele's house, Adele and David's house, to try and save Adele. And I was like, you about to die. I, I was like, you are going to die. There is no way this is going to end well okay. if you're going over to that house. But we have to we have to back up again because I knew exactly what was going to happen once she did got you? There. <gasps> I did. I had no clue. I'm getting chills I right knew, now. I knew exactly because do you remember in the series when Rob said, "Hey, I read about something and I want to try it with you," and they showed that Rob and um, Adele switched spirit bodies, right? I knew exactly when he said that, that that's what he wanted to try and that he was going to do it again with, um, with Louise. I knew exactly I had, okay. I had no clue that was going to happen. So anyway, Louise goes to Adele's house. Adele has set the house on fire to try and insinuate that she's going to kill herself. Louise and cannot. And shot herself up with a bunch of heroin. Right. Louise cannot get into the house. To save Adele. So Which didn't what, make sense, again, because she actually did it the first time and got in the house. Right. You no, remember? no. Remember, she, remember she, bro- no, she broke the window and right. tried to get in and tried to unlock it, but couldn't do it. So I think she tried to do, get in there the, the, la- the way that she did it the last time. Remember? Yes. And, and what I think I realized after was that there must have been a key in there that I didn't see. Because remember when... Adele slash Louise came downstairs. She got the key and then let herself out. Yeah. So. So, okay. So then um, Louise decides that since she cannot get to Adele to save her, she decides to. She won't call the police. Right. She still hasn't called the police. So she decides to astrally project herself into the home to try and save um, Adele. Because, well, you know, an, an astral orb would save her. Right. Like, none of, that, none of that sequence made any sense. None of it. So, she astrally projects. She gets into the house. Next thing you know, you see Adele's astral projection going downstairs outside and goes into... Louise. Louise. Louise wakes up immediately. And this is a brilliant actress because when she woke <laughs> up immediately, you knew she was a different person from her first, mm-hmm. from everything from her eyes to her facial expressions to her mannerisms, her walk, everything was different. So, mm-hmm. so she goes Adele's, Adele's astral projection is in Louise. So we think, and Louise gets into the house she goes up to, to, to Adele, and next thing you know, we realize what? You say it. That Rob is actually Adele, and now is actually Louise. <laughs> 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 Which I had figured out, I promise you. I had already known that that's what it was. Did you really? I really did, yeah. I knew that he had switched with her. So basically what happened was Rob killed the real Adele because remember they, they dropped all kinds of hints. I mean, David was like, this is not the same Adele. This is not the woman I knew. She, he, I mean, he just said it so many times. And so you saw when they had dinner together, you know, um, David came back from university and when Rob was visiting Adele and they had dinner together, Rob made dinner 
for Adele and David. And remember, Adele said, oh, I can't cook anything. But what did Adele slash Rob do for David all the time? Cook, cook. right? Yeah. Exactly. And so, but there, there was that one little moment where David put his arm, his hand on Rob's shoulder and Rob was like, <laughs> like, that's the man I want to spend the rest of my life with. Cause he said he's dang near perfect, you know? So his very quick obsession, mind you, with David was cemented right at that dinner moment. And then as soon as we saw um, Adele dragging Rob's body, I had figured out that that was actually Rob in Adele's body. Right. So and he also said, oh, I'm sorry. He also said, I would kill to have this life and this, you know, like everything about what Adele had was something he coveted. And so he ended up killing his best friend because of that, that jealousy and that envy and, and coveting that life. Right. So the whole time that we're thinking crazy Adele, it's only within the last five minutes that they actually reveal the five minutes of an entire season, mind you, that they reveal that it is actually Rob who killed Adele 10 years ago. 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And and actually project himself into Adele's body and has been living as Adele just to be with David. Well, and to back up again, we didn't even mention that the fact that they had moved there because of a mysterious incident in the previous city they lived in. And, uh, and Louise investigated it and found the woman that Adele had threatened and, and did some crazy stuff in her house because mm-hmm. of her friendship with David. And David and the other, I think there's a name Miranda or something, they said, oh, we don't know how Adele knows these things. And then Louise is like, I know how that bee did, knows things, you know, like <laughs> she knew, but she never spilled it. I mean, I know David was in a hurry to go to the police, but she never got a chance to say to him, this is how Adele knows, because if he knew that, then he would have understood that Louise was different when he, when he got together with her at the end of the series. Right. So, Adele goes, well, so Louise, so we think it's Adele go that gets into Louise's body. We later find out it is Rob who got into Louise's body and mm-hmm. Louise kills, Adele. I'm sorry, well, Rob kills, kills <laughs> right, Rob kills Adele's body that is um, occupied by Louise. So basically Louise's body kills Adele's body. It was heartbreaking <laughs> because her, her Louise's last word in Oh, was Adam. Was, oh my her God. Her son's it was, name. Yeah. Oh, yes. That, that was Oh my Lord, that was. But then it made me think again, how is it that that's your last words, but you did so many stupid things? And didn't think about him that whole time. Right. Like all the time she was making those bad decisions. Because remember she broke into his office and stole the file. And then he saw her do it and said, stay away from me. Give me the right. Like there were so many bad decisions she made. And the whole time, because her son was out of sight, out of mind, kind of, she decided to just forge ahead. And I was just like, this don't make no sense. It was like, girls gone wild. It was bad. It was bad. But I would but it was good. Like, it was good. <laughs> it was a guilty pleasure at the very least. It was a guilty pleasure. But my favorite scene from the whole six episode series 
was when she goes to pick up Adam after she, Rob slash Louise, you know, is trying to sort of mimic her mannerisms and get to know her apartment. And he goes to her um, sort of ex-fiance's, I mean, ex-husband's house to pick up Adam. And immediately Adam looks at her and backs away and is like, you know, his internal dialogue is, that's not my mom. That ain't my mama. He knows he knew without her even opening her mouth that it was, and just like you said, with her eyes changing, Adam knew. Children know, and so they they def- definitely did right in the series by saying, "Okay, we got to make the kids the smart one." <laughs> <laughs> so, I I just felt like I felt like if her what was her friend's name? Uh, I don't remember. She was. She also had a very strong accent, Sophie. Sophie. I felt like mm-hmm. if Louise had like uh Timetria and like another <laughs> girlfriend named Janisha. Uh, mm-hmm. Janisha instead mm-hmm. of Sophie, I feel mm-hmm. like this would not have happened because I feel like Timetria and uh Janisha would have <laughs> would have set it up <laughs> and would have been yeah. like we know she's not going to listen to us, girl, so look what we're going to do. She's going to run over there, but then, you know, when she do that, that, that projection stuff, we're going to take her body <laughs> and put it somewhere. Well, none of that would have been necessary if, if Louise would have just let, because remember, Rob slash Adele had shot himself up with heroin. So if Louise didn't run her little butt over to the house, she would have just died. And her and David would have been free and clear. But she had to go in there and try to be a saint and try to save somebody who had just blessed her out, calling her out by her name. I just did not understand. I just did yeah, not understand. She, I just didn't get Not that once they, calling the would... police or the fire department. The other thing is that I thought, and I know this is based on a book, so if, I mean, if this is the way the author wrote the characters, I mean, who, who are we to tell the showrunners <laughs> that they should have done something different? But I just thought, why do we keep writing stupid women doing stupid things? <laughs> Over men. Right. Because <clears throat> mm-hmm. I felt like she was way too smart to do some of the stupid things that she did unless she was just completely captivated by loneliness and lust. I mean, she was lonely, but that D must have been good. That's all I have to say. Because she did some stupid stuff. But, but let's be think... real. Women in real life do some stupid stuff over D. Okay, but <clears throat> but listen, they ain't know where that D was that good. It, All of that know. screaming she know. was doing. How you know? <laughs> well, you right. Because no, the way she was arching that back when they were on the sofa. She was totally lit with that kind of, you know. Like, I think that the two of them were just grasping each other so much. Like, their loneliness just sort of enveloped them. And when they found that common ground, it, they just ran with it. And I mean, you know, they definitely had us thinking Adele was, you know, just a psycho pose beast who, who, you know, we didn't feel so bad when they were having the affair because Adele seemed nuts. But um, yeah, I liked the way they peeled it back. It just, it was, instead of layers, they just kind of went straight to the heart of the onion, you know, like they didn't give us layers because they didn't have time to, but, um, but it, it was very interesting. I just, uh, seriously, the astral projection just, I just went like a yo-yo, like what happened, you know? So that was the only part that really threw me off. But once I got there, like once I, you know, intellectually realized what they were doing, then everything else sort of fell into place. And I was like, oh yeah, now that's going to be this and this and this, you know? Okay. So we, I think <laughs> we should, 
Is that, now, what about the ending? Because, you know, like I said, British miniseries normally don't have an ending. They did leave it open to a season two based on the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and apparently in the book, there is more that goes on with Adam. But I thought it was pretty creepy, a good creepy ending. You know, it fit, it fit where they ended the series for her to, you know, sort of um, for Adam to be the one to well the and, and the ex-husband also was like you okay Lou like he knew something was up but he couldn't put his finger on it but mm-hmm. David was just so euphoric because they got married and they're taking Adam and they're going to live somewhere else you know so she bet, probably never saw Sophie again and um or Rob never saw Sophie again and um you know just everything she did you know smacked of this is not Louise but nobody seemed to be really taking account and into account until Adam said, you know, she said, hey, maybe we ought to go on a cruise for our honeymoon. And Adam says, mom, you said you'd never, you'd never be on a boat. You don't like boats. And she turns around with those creepy eyes and says, maybe I've changed. You know, that was mm-hmm. delicious. It was awesome. She, um, kudos to her for the acting. All of them, actually, I thought were really good. Um, the women, I think, far better than the men. But um, yeah, it was, it was well acted. I thought, you know, I just couldn't believe that she just kept doing all those things over and over and over again. It was so stupid. It just wasn't believable to me. But, you know, your British accent accent is your your English accent is better than your Scottish. (laughs) Is it? Keep keep. Yeah. Keep going with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched it enough and I just thought, oh, when she said better, I was just like, oh, my gosh, she said better. She's totally working class. (laughs) So, yeah. But anyway, so that's the show. I thought it was great. Hopefully, you guys paused, watched, and came back <laughs> and have listened to our analysis of this crazy show. I agree with you. They, I thought it was great that race was never, ever even mentioned. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I was thinking, Ain't no black girl would ever do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt a little false on that note. But otherwise, you know, it was entertaining. Definitely entertaining. Was the character in the book black? Or did they, that was just a casting choice? I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to that part. We're going to take a quick break <laughs> and then we'll come back with our next topic. Cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. That was fun. It was totally fun. I hope people don't think we're crazy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you actually brought this up to me, talking about cancel culture. And I want you to tell the listeners how this all came about or what, you know, sparked this conversation in your head. Well, it's actually been something that you know, my daughter, who is 16, um, we have talked about it quite a bit, um, just in, in light of how quick people are to rush to judgment. But I was asking, you know, are, have, are we creating such a overtly woke generation or, or society at this point that, you know, everything we've done in the past is, you know, sort of microanalyzed, like, I think I told you, you know, the um, baby it's cold outside song, you know, my, this, and this is why, you know, my daughter and I were talking about it is because she was completely offended by the song when she listened to the lyrics. And I was like, really? 
wow, it's just a song. Like I just never analyzed the words that much to think that it was so offensive. So then on the way to work yesterday, I was listening to <laughs> Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. And I just was like, wow, some of it is really misogynistic and awful. And I wonder if, you know, the members of Belle Biv DeVoe, if they have daughters now, if they feel like, you know, wow, that was really ratchet, you know, that I said that about other women, or if they were just like, it's just a song. And we were, you know, like, it's, I don't know how big of a deal it is anymore because now we've got artists like, you know, Cardi B singing WAP and, you know, I, my daughter doesn't really think that's a big deal. You know, I mean, she's like, well, it is what it is. And I guess it is because at the time songs like that didn't really make an impression on me where I thought, mm, this is, this is how I want to live, or this is make, you know, I, I'm changing as a person. Like it was just a song. Like, like the, the guy says, it had a good beat and I danced to it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused about how I'm a little twisted about how I feel about these things right now. So. Well, this also comes at a time where, um, Dr. Seuss's foundation has mm -hmm. decided to uh, no longer publish five of Dr. Seuss's books because of very offensive, very stereotypical caricatures, caricatures of mm -hmm. um, a Asian people as well as um, African people in, in five of his books. Now, this is not something that like the government isn't censoring him. It's not like any libraries came out and said that they were pulling these books off the shelves. This is a decision that the Dr. Seuss Foundation has made, has decided to do on their own. So, Which includes his family, by the way. It's not, it's not just a board of people who are not connected to Theodore Geisel. It's, it's his family members who have said in the past, yeah, these aren't images. He was actually even ashamed of them towards the end of his life. So it's, it, it's not the same in that sense as cancel culture, but people who are who are promoting cancel culture have sort of made it into that, you know? Right. Which by the way, this is not, this is like new to people, but I've, I've been knowing about this and people have been saying things about some of Dr. Seuss's books. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been knowing about this since college and I've been out of college a good 20 years. So this is not new. Um, it's just new to certain people, but sure. um, it, I think taking it away out of the, and broadening it from lyrics and music to, um, you know, literature and to, I mean, even politics. Or politics. Mm -hmm. I think that I don't like to call it cancel culture. I like to call it accountability and consequence. And I think also you have to know history in order to really make the determination on whether or not, um, something was accepted at one time and now is no longer accepted. And what I frequently go back to when I think of this topic in particular is a lot of uh, people say that we should not be judging like the people of the, the founders or, you know, early colonialist for some of the things that they did, that that was just what it was at the time. And, you know, judging people... <laughs> yeah, like owning people and, you know, segregationists, that that was just we're using, uh, you know, a 21st century lens to look back at 
um, you know, 17th and 16th century uh, acts, and that that was just the way it was done at the time, and it's not fair to, to use our current lens in order to, to project judgment on those people. So whether that means, you know, no longer naming schools after them or no longer naming streets after them, or maybe if they do have schools and statues and streets named after them, maybe removing them and putting someone, but, you know, replacing, replacing them. And what I have learned is that through reading history is that there were actually founding fathers who were anti-slavery, anti-enslavement. They just lost the debate. So this idea that everybody was just pro-slavery, that's just what everybody was doing at the time, is actually not true. If you read the Federalist Papers, if you read uh, history, you'll see that there were actually some of our founding fathers who were not for slavery. They had left, they left Britain to get away from that type of, you know, monarchical, can't get ahead uh, system. And they came to the United, to, to what was, well, it wasn't the United States at that time, but what was later to become the United States, they came here for a different life. They just lost the argument. They lost the debate. And, but this idea that everybody just did it and, and that was just the way it was, it's just not true. And I, I can say the same thing for gay people, this idea that, you know, just in the 80s and 90s that, you know, we just didn't know any better. No, actually, if you do, do a little bit of reading, do a little bit of history, <laughs> That there were always people who said that the way we treat gay the way we treat gay people in this country is not right. It's just that they didn't get any attention and that they they were they lost the debate of the time. But this idea that everybody just thought a certain way is just not really well, true when you actually do a little bit of digging. Well, and I I mean to to that point and to maybe expound upon that a little bit further, it it for me it's all about you know sort of what we consume. And who who has the sort of power of uh, of promoting these things? So let's think about this. If all of the people who are sort of hanging on to this this cancel culture and sort of you know um, saying that it's wrong to have cancel culture or it's right to have like if you're on either side of the debate, these are not the people who are typically being canceled. Like. There's only so many celebrities in Hollywood that can speak up about this. It's the general masses that have all of the power of consuming this stuff, right? So they, like me, as a, as a consumer of it, I have power with my voice and my, my choice to say whether or not I cancel somebody, so to speak, right? And the only reason it doesn't affect me personally is because I don't have any weight in this world to say that, you know, if, if I do anything that, you know, uh, precludes being canceled, nobody cares. Nobody cares if I do something that I should be canceled for. They only care about the people who are, you know, in the public eye or who, who have some sort of, you know, weight to throw around. So it's, it's interesting to me that the people who sort of hate it and love it at the same time are the ones that have all the power in it. So I don't, I, I would like to say that, you know, yes, I don't approve of Michael Jackson's, um, you know, relationships with young boys, but I love his music. It's my choice as to whether or not I listen to it. It's my choice as to whether or not I buy it. It's, you know, but do I, do I speak out against, or, or do I disagree with, you know, him being, a potential child predator? Absolutely. I guess that's not even a question. 
But I think also people are kind of knee-jerk reacting to everything. You know, Bill Maher talks about this all the time. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You know, it's, it's either we sort of censor everything or we let everybody have the free speech that we talked about and make these choices that, the, that we all, you know, are prideful about with this country. And so, yes, cancel culture sucks when you're the one being canceled, especially if it's for something that you know probably everybody and their mom is doing, but you're the one getting blasted for it. You know what I mean? Like it's that's the part that the hypocrisy of it when you can sit back from a from a certain bird's eye view and look down on me for some of the choices I've made in my life, but you are no better than me, you know, glass houses and all that, you know. So it's it, I would like to think that I am not somebody who immediately jumps on that bandwagon and cancels a celebrity or a politician or you know, somebody for one thing they've said, I mean, for sure, if you are like a um, Lindsey Graham, you know, uh, sort of Rush limbaugh kind of guy who your whole career has been based on things that you've said and done, then I don't think it's being canceled. I just do not consume what you put out. You know what I mean? So... No, I get that. And, you know, The Mandalorian, there was an actress who was recently, who recently lost her job. Um, and so people saying that she was canceled, but she wasn't, can was she canceled by the masks? No, she was canceled by Disney, right? She, and we don't know what was, she, we don't know what was in her, what was in her contract. We don't, we have no idea. It, Sometimes it there's moral clauses. Matter. It doesn't matter what was in her contract. A private company said, I'm sorry, your views are not in line with what our views are, and we do not want to employ you or pay you anymore. That is their right. If as, as, a, as a private business owner, I have the right to say, I don't want you as an employee if you're going to run through my store yelling the N-word. I, I, I have that right. I can do that. So it's just because of the, again, the consumption. Like it's That show is up for public consumption. She is not going to lose any fans that are on the side of what she was speaking out, you know, out for. So if her comparing the state of our country to a Nazi, Nazi Germany is okay with people that support her, she's still going to have a career. She'll have a career with them. And she actually even said it. She said, this will not stop me. And she's right. She will have a career. It may not be with the same um, sort of uh, gravity that, you know, you would have on a Disney show with, you know, Star Wars backing, but she has every right to say what she said. She just, but Disney had every right to do what they did. And if that's what canceling is, then I guess that's canceling. I, she's canceled for Disney, for, for Mandalorian fans who don't agree with her. I mean, the rest of the world doesn't actually give a crap. <laughs> you know, like there's a whole, like millions and millions and millions of people who don't care that she said it or that she's been canceled. So it's, it's really at the end of the day, not that serious or that important. Um, but I think that when you say that these are not in line with our uh, values, our morals, and you do not want to associate with that person, like in your own personal life, you can say that. So why not? Why wouldn't they have the right to say, I don't want to pay you anymore to be on my show when you espouse such hateful rhetoric? Like, that's OK. I think that's fine. Um, I, I don't know what the I, I'm not sure what the what the issue is but apparently there are a lot of people <laughs> that think that that there's this cancel culture where you if people feel like they can't say anything and i'm thinking yeah 
it, that, that's how everybody feels. Like, you have to be careful about what you say. You have to be thoughtful. You shouldn't. And I, maybe this is a new concept for white people. <laughs> because yeah, I, feel no, like, no, I feel I, like people of color have always, always have to make choices on what they're going to say in the public discourse for fear of repercussion, consequence, um, and backlash. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on race. I think that this is just moral, you know, right versus moral wrong. If you have an issue with somebody saying something about, you know, like if Hitler comes out of your mouth, if Nazi comes out of your mouth and you portray that in a positive light, <laughs> you, you should be canceled. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> not okay. Like, there, why is this even a debate about the fact that you, that shouldn't even be coming out of your mouth? So, yeah, it's just right or wrong. And if you feel like you're right, go find your tribe. Go find your people. But if, you know, 80 to 90% of us feel like what you said is wrong and disrespectful and, and kind of horrifying, then, you know, you maybe need to take a look at yourself and think, why am I comparing the state of this country to Nazi Germany? Like, why would that even be a thing? But what if this person did not even learn about that? Well, she learned now. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't Lesson know, learned. now you know. Now you know. Lesson learned. I mean... You, I, I just don't know why. And, and, you know, there was another comedian who was on the show who was defending her in a sense, saying she was nothing but lovely on set. You know, there was no issues, no problems. And I said, you know, lots of, lots of wolves in sheep's clothing as far as what you, what you value and, and, and your moral you know, standards. I mean, like, and, and by the way, he was white. So, I mean, maybe she wouldn't have any problems with him. But, you know, they had black actors that she worked with. They had Latin actors that she worked with. So... And one of them actually spoke out against her and she was not happy because he had made a statement about, um, or no, he had posted somebody's um, phone number. I, I, I don't remember which politician it was, but it's a public, it was a public record phone number, you know? And so it's, it, they, she was saying that there was um, a double standard for what he did as opposed to what she had said. And it was, it was a false equivalency again, like there's, you know, and, and again, let's just be mindful that, cancel culture in and of itself is just a trend now it's a buzzword it's something that everybody is saying and everybody's super you know heightened to you know every time you hear it then it's like oh cancel culture you know it's like it's like this thing that everybody wants to sort of jump on and and it, it's gonna fade it's gonna go away and we're gonna go you know we're not gonna think about it as in those terms because this has kind of been happening all along you know like if a celebrity has an affair, or if a celebrity does drugs, or if a celebrity steals something, you know, they get canceled. Like Winona Ryder got canceled in the 80s when she stole. And she had to fight her way back to get her career. You know what I mean? Like Rapper Downey mm -hmm. Jr., he was a drug addict. He woke up in somebody's room. He got canceled, but he had to fight his way back. So it, it, this is not new. It's just a new buzzword. And I feel like did Robert Downey and Winona deserve to get called out for their, their misdeeds? Absolutely. You know, and they would say that, I think. So it's, it's, you know, the political divide has created this social divide, this, you know, um, it, it's, it's just, it's got such far reach now. And now all of these new trending buzzwords sort of further 
you know, widen the gap between, you know, sort of lefties and righties, uh, conservatives and liberals, and everything becomes now political or racial and maybe deservedly so, maybe not. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's definitely just a trend in my mind. You know, it'll, it'll, this wave will soon quell. And what about the guy from The Bachelor? Wasn't Bill Maher talking about some guy from The Bachelor that, like, took a hiatus? Oh, uh, Chris Harrison? Yeah. yeah. Because um, of his, oh, I don't see what's wrong with having an um, antebellum party. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not sure Chris Harrison is famous enough to be canceled. <laughs> Shame. Shame. <laughs> Like, if you ask, you know, nine out of 10 people might not even know who he is or care. So again, that's my point. Like, you kind of have to have some weight to throw around to be even considered a part of cancel culture. Um, Yeah, he got a little flack for it. But I mean, let's be real. He's a host of a reality show. Does anybody give a flip? Like, I mean, I don't don't care that he said that or that he thinks that. Um, I'm not sure what bearing it has on society that he thinks that, you know, I mean, in his little world, people who are with him have to decide whether or not the comments he made and the views he holds matter to them. You know, Chris Harrison doesn't affect my world, you know, so, and neither does Gina Carano. He, she only affects my world in that I consume the Mandalorian, you know, and, and I would prefer that, and, and this is so far reaching again, but I don't know what any of those people actually really feel, you know, they could be employing all kinds of people who believe in the KKK and neo-Nazism and, you know, like whatever. They could be a bunch of racists. I don't know. Until it comes to light and we cancel them, then I will consume it. But that's true of people I work with, people who are living down the street from me. I don't know what any of them really feel. I could walk down the street and say hi to somebody and think they're the nicest person and they go behind closed doors and call me all kinds of horrible names, you know? So it's just, when it comes to light, do you deserve to be canceled? Yeah, but if people who don't think you deserve to be canceled are still consuming what you put out, then you're going to be fine. And there's always going to be that subsection of society that says, I don't see any problem with it. So it's But I good. think the argument that is used frequently about cancel culture is people say, now, like, okay, now you just can't say anything. And I you don't know if that's You can say necess- anything you want. But to say is that, you know, now it's wrong, whereas before it wasn't. I guess that's what I interpret from it is that, you know, now we're, we're living in this PC culture. And, and I always thought it was like, no, what you said was always offensive. It's just now you're starting to get consequences for things that have always been offensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and not that this is the same equivalent, but, you know, like um, the show Mad Men, I never watched it, but I know that premise of it is, you know, it takes place during uh, like the 50s and 60s. And, you know, the workplace environment for the women on the show was really toxic, you know, a lot of, you know, sort of toxic masculinity going around because that was what at the time that the show is set was going on. You know, they smoked a lot. They didn't do any work. The women did everything. They're really the brains of the operation. They wore tight skirts. You know, they got, um, you know, sort of uh, catcalled a lot. And so they portrayed it that way, right? And anybody who lived through that time would say, but that's just the way it was. Didn't make it right, though. It was absolutely wrong to treat women that way and to have a workplace that had that kind of environment. So 
when you know better, you do better. That's what it should be. So if you have any doubt that something you're going to say is offensive to somebody, how about just don't say it? How about just be a better, kinder person? You know, put more love and light out into the world than, you know, whatever that hate was coming out of her mouth when she said that. Like, that just wasn't necessary for her to make a comparison using Nazi Germany as the comparison point. Like, why? Just say something else, Gina. Say something else, Gina. (laughs) Say it again. I want you to say it. You know? (laughs) So, anyway, I just, it was thoughts. And, And this all started again with me thinking about. The Belle Biv DeVoe song, and I was just like, you know, thinking about uh, Prince and Two Life Crew and all these R&B songs that I used to listen to that were completely inappropriate, but I love them. And am I wrong for loving them? Would they have been canceled today by our Gen Zers who are like, you know, offended by everything? You know, it, it just makes me curious. I guess you'll have to get a Gen Z person on and, and talk about it. Yeah, I think I know one. I think I know one too. <laughs> she would be teaser, lovely. teaser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for sharing uh, this time with me on this podcast. I appreciate you bringing these topics to the podcast, so that mm-hmm. it's not just about politics. But we did throw a, bit, a little bit of politics in there just to spice it well, up. You know, but it you, was great. You know how to have fun. You know how to have fun. Yeah. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment. Hit the like button, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on all the different uh, networks that that sponsor podcasts. So please subscribe to us, leave a comment, rate us, give us five stars. We greatly appreciate it if you do that. Leave a comment and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.